What's up, coaches? Uh, playoff time around the country, uh, either this week, maybe last week, maybe next week for you guys. Uh, there'll also be some coaches uh, going home, maybe with some seasons that were still great for them, uh, but building seasons and then some uh, that didn't go as well as they wanted to due to injury or, or many different things. But uh, hopefully your guys' seasons is ending or is coming to an end the way you guys wanted it. Uh, if, if you need a little bit of extra football in your life, uh, either to prepare for the playoffs or going into next season already, uh, go check out our website, runthepower.com. We've got some really great stuff, uh, some free stuff. We've also got some premium videos for you guys as well, but but go check out our, our uh, free membership. It's awesome. We've got some really, really great stuff on there. Uh, again, just some football coaches that love talking ball. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. It's really cool. Uh, Team Builder set up a wonderful de- deal for our listeners only. Visit their website and start a 14-day free trial. Enter the promo code RTP, and they will load a 10-week football off-season tro- training program onto your trial account absolutely free. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Go visit them at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. And on your free trial, uh, enter the RTP code. This episode is also brought to you by Guardian Caps. Both of our programs, uh, that being Broken Arrow and Ankeny High School, they both invest in Guardian Caps this year, uh, and, and we feel they're helping our guys. Broken Arrow, we're a, a, a tough smash mouth team, uh, and, and it's helped our guys out, and it's helped our helmets out. They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice, used uh, by over 100 colleges and thousands of high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them. Uh, Go check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley thinks about them at OU and get some pricing. Uh, And the the coolest part, especially other than the safety of the the kids for coaches, is the the price. Uh, They're a lot more affordable uh, than you would think when it comes to helmets. Uh, and, and it's a helmet cover, but anything to do with helmets is normally very expensive. They're, they're very affordable. Uh, go check them out at guardiancaps.com. Uh, last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their program to the next level. With new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communications at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com by email at info at sidelinepower.com or just give them a call at 800-496-4290. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Nate Albaugh. Coach Albaugh is the first ever head coach at Judah Christian School in Champaign, Illinois. Coach Albaugh is also the founder of chiefpigskin.com. Listen as we talk with Coach Albaugh about how he began his website, chiefpigskin.com, the process of starting an eight-man football program from scratch, and some of the intricacies of the wing T offense. 
You can follow Coach on Twitter at the Chief Pigskin and at Nate underscore Alball, which is A L B A U G H. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, Coach, it's great to have you on the podcast. Um, obviously, I, I kind of reached out to you. I noticed, um, you know, we started doing a little bit of uh, YouTube videos and different things with um, as far as trying to help coaches and put on little clinics or whatever that we put on YouTube and uh, things like that. And I, I started asking people, and I think I asked Coach Schiffman maybe. Um, I said, hey, you want to go and help us do one of these YouTube clinics? And he said, I would, but I'm already doing one with, uh, you know, Chief, is it Chief Pigskin? That's right. Yep. Chief, Chief Pigskin. And I said, oh, really? So, so that got me interested. I started looking into that and I was like, wow, this guy, you know, uh, this guy gets it. This guy's looking at some of the same stuff that, that me and Walls have been talking about. Why do we have to go to these clinics where it takes, you know, three days of your life away? And, and there are good things and we still go to clinics and it's great networking and, and all these things. But why do we have to go to all these clinics to get uh, the same knowledge that you could get sitting at home uh, when you have time and, and for much, much cheaper than spending a weekend away from your family and all these hours away and the money that it costs to stay somewhere and, and go to these clinics. So, um, you know, I'm kind of interested in, in how you got that going. Yeah, well, you know, as a, as a young head coach, I got my first head coaching job in 08 and uh, I didn't know anything. I was, you know, <laughs> I, I knew very little and, uh, I needed an offense. So I, you know, hit up championship productions and $140 later, I had a few DVDs and one was good and the others were garbage. And, <laughs> sure. uh, I had no more money left. And it was right then I said, I, there has to be a better way. There has to be a way to do this cheaper. Um, cause I need to learn. And so that really got it all started. And for five to seven years, I fumbled around just trying to figure out what did I want to do or, um, if I wanted to keep doing it at some point, it was going to have to make money. Um, so sure. it's just been a long venture through all of that. And, and finally the step to do the clinic was really just, it, again, it was just a no brainer. So now after being a head coach for 10 years now, uh, the thing that was, that got me most frustrated was clinic season would roll around, you know, it's February. I pay for my glazier pass. Um, and I cannot get my whole crew of 10 guys at a clinic. Couldn't do it. Somebody had basketball. Somebody had, just had a baby. Somebody had some other excuse. Everybody's got an excuse. I can't get everybody together. Uh, and the reality is they're all willing to go on Friday. You know, they're going to get out of school, right? They're going to get a professional day from school. They're not going to have to go teach. Everybody was willing to go on Friday. But by Saturday morning, now the excuses really rolled in. Right. So <laughs> every coach has an excuse and, and rightfully so, because getting away from home and the family is hard to do. Um, but what, what was happening was, that, you know, here I am in February, March, and I'm upset with my staff, and, you know, and I'm upset. I'm questioning their commitment. You know, is, does he love it enough? Is he really going to be able to do this well enough? And I just thought, you know what, I'm a questioning all this because they're not willing to go on these trips. Uh, you know, and, and our wives, we, you know, we, we owe our wives our time and ourselves, and it's hard to get away. And some wives are more understanding than others. But that's really when I finally said, I got to try this online clinic thing. Uh, it's going to be a huge risk for me financially, 
but I have to try. And so I just went for it because, because I really believed it needed to happen. Coach, I think it's a, it's, it's the biggest thing that you, you constantly have to do. And it's like you said, I mean, it, it is way more cost effective for guys. Um, it's one of the reasons why I've, I've gotten super into technology. You know, one, it was kind of how I, I got started in the business. You, you learn the, the technology, but to me, if you're not growing with, with anything, whether you're an educator, whether you're a businessman, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. So the last thing I want to be is obsolete as a coach. So to me, I've, I've tried to take every advantage I can with this. And I, and I think it's, it's, it's just untapped resources for guys to be able to go on there. There's really no excuse for, for a coach to not completely understand his position if he's a position coach. You know, there should be no excuse for a coordinator not to, to completely understand you know, his position with all of the resources that are out there. And I think you're tapping into a lot of the guys that people want to hear from too. You know, it's difficult to get, you know, Nick Saban to sit down with me for five hours and teach me his defense, you know, but he doesn't have the same kind of kids that we have to coach. So having high school coaches on there, having guys who deal with the same problems, I think it's genius. The stuff that you're doing with a lot of the, the products and things you put out there. And not only that, I, I love the, the format you have, too. I mean, it's kind of a one-day deal, right? The guys pop in there for a, for a day. They do an hour clinic, and they roll. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. We just uh, we get a, a conference room in a hotel in that city and bring the local guys in, and uh, we shoot for a day. It's an exhausting day, but in the end, <laughs> boy, do we have some great content. And you know what? You said something that just made me think of something. It's – and the reality is this clinic project may not, is, may not even be necessary for guys like yourself who, who love it, who are into it, who study the game and are going to find ways to learn. One of the things that the online clinic is for is it's, it's for your unmotivated coach. It's for, <laughs> it's for a high school coach, a head coach that says, no, 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 I bought this pass and you're all watching it this weekend. Okay. So all of you guys this weekend, I want you to watch this presentation. You got the whole weekend to do it, but watch it and get back to me. I want to know what you think. Because after coaching, after being a head coach for 10 years, um, and I've had a great staff. My, my staff at Champaign Central was outstanding. Uh, but the reality is there's always somebody is the least motivated. No matter what your staff is, somebody on the staff is going to be the least motivated. And the reality is if you're a head coach and you're serious about Get, making sure that you're getting the best out of your staff, which is most head coaches are, that you need this for your staff because there's a guy that is, he's not that into it. <laughs> I don't, you know, he's coaching, he's probably decent at what he does, but he's not that into it and he's not going to study unless you're really guiding him along. And I, and I think that this clinic is really as much or more so for that guy than as than it is for the for the guy who just loves it who's the junkie well you say that and, and it's probably you know extremely true but you know another thing for the guy that is the junkie it's all about how can I get the most out of my time right so um like you said he he coach walls he's gonna find a way but also you know he, he'd like to find the way to do it the the mo the least expensive and the less time consuming way possible um you know why take an entire weekend to get you know, you hear the old, the old adage of if I can get one thing from a clinic, um, you know, then it was a good clinic, which, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, sure. But why does that have to take me three days to get one thing from a clinic? Why can't I get that in one hour from a film that I can watch uh, at my house, you know, and, and now I can watch 10 of them 
in a day or whatever that is or over a weekend if I want. Now I can hopefully grab 10 things and it hasn't taken me all weekend away from my family in a, in a crazy expensive cost. Right. I mean, let's face it, clinics, and they're great. I love to hit a, at least one clinic every year. Clinics are about drinking beer and telling stories. That's what yes. they're about. And, and you know what? I, I think there's a time and a place for that. It, it's good for your soul to be with a bunch of football coaches, drink some beers, and, and tell good stories and laugh like you haven't laughed in a while. But it's the learning, the learning is minimal. And you do pick up one or two things. But hey, you've been maybe to a glazier on Sunday morning. How many guys are left, right? I've always been the Sunday morning guy. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. there's four of us in that room. <laughs> um, so we know what, what, what clinics are really about. And so that's why I felt like the online clinic was about, it's about actual learning. It's not about the beer. Um, as, as nice as the beer is, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy a drink and I enjoy shooting the breeze with coaches, but it is about actually learning. I think they lose, a lot of guys lose sight of, you know, ultimately in the end, if, if you're not as good of a coach as you could possibly be, who does that affect? You know, it, it affects the kids. You know, the, the better coach that you are, the more knowledgeable you are. And, and we ask the same thing. We're asking our kids to lift weights. We're asking our kids to improve. We're asking our kids to run and do all these things and make all these sacrifices. And at the same time, now you see coaches who don't push themselves to get better. And it's always one of my pet peeves because it's like, you know, there's, there's two ways that kids learn when you're in the classroom. You know, no, number one, they got to see how passionate you are about it about those kids, you know, building their relationship. And then number two, you have to build a model, the behavior that you want. You know, if, if, I, if I'm going to, if I'm going to sit there and I'm going to make all these demands of my kids, wouldn't it make a lot more sense for me to, to do the same thing and to model those things? I mean, it, to me, it's, it's just one of those things that, that just becomes difficult. And I, and I hear it all the time. And, and you said it, man. I mean, it's, it's those coaches that say, well, I already did it. You know, I already went through all this stuff. I don't, I don't have to do that anymore, so I guess I can just be lazy. What kind of a message does that send to your kids? You know, they're, they're the ones looking to you for, for inspiration. So it really bugs me, man, when, when guys don't push it. And you talk about the Sunday mornings of the Glacier. I had to do a Sunday morning uh, Glacier in Minneapolis, and it had just snowed about 14 inches. So everybody was gone, and there was literally five coaches that were in there, and they had to <laughs> – and they had to have one of the nastiest hangovers I've ever seen because that right. room smelled <laughs> like stale beer. But it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, it actually ended up being a college staff, and we just sat there, and, and I just answered any questions they wanted for like two hours because mm-hmm. I knew they weren't going to go anyplace. But you're exactly right. You know, these guys say they're going to go out and, oh, yeah, I'm going to go learn some ball this weekend, and they go to two sessions. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You pick up the one thing, and then – get a good conversation started and you feel like, yeah, uh, this is actually what I came for. But yeah, it is what it is. This is certainly a little bit different than, than your classic clinic. But at the same time, I'm trying to do as much as possible to kind of keep uh, some level of a social feel to it because I do feel like that's an important part of the clinic piece. Yeah, sure it is. Um, you know, that's what the guys, like you said, guys enjoy that, but they enjoy, you know, learning some football as well. Um, I'm kind of curious, did you have a – technology background going into this or is it just something you said hey I I really would like to do something like this let's try to figure out how to do it well I was a I was an art major in college and uh, I was an art teacher for 12 years so 
once you become art this day and age, um, unless you're a fine arts type of person, which I definitely was not, everything artistic ends up on the computer these days. So um, I had a very solid background on computer, basically in your Adobe Creative Suite. So everything Photoshop and Illustrator and design. And, you know, so I've always liked kind of building brands and enjoyed those pieces of the puzzle. But, uh, and then my wife is a photographer, a wedding photographer, very successful. Um, and so when you put all the things together, I just had all the right equipment, and all the right stuff laying around to put together a pretty good product. And that was one of the things that was important as well. I looked at some of the things and I thought, boy, that light is horrible. The audio is terrible. I can do all those things better. Um, I think I can do this. So went on the venture and, and gave it a go. You know, I, I love the idea, obviously, and and it's something we're you know we're trying to build up a you know a, a brand, if you will, as well. So um, you know, we've kind of gone through some of those struggles, but I'm sure uh, you know we talked a little before the podcast, but trying to get a lot of this stuff done before football season because football season comes. It's 12 hour days, just football right now doing the podcast we're 12 hour days in the off season so um you know we haven't gone through a regular season yet but we're trying to have it all done by the regular season so we can still send some stuff out during that but not have to do the work for it um how did you manage your time being a head coach and trying to run this and and you know that's obviously two full-time jobs and I don't know if you were in the classroom as well as a head coach but um you know if if you were it's you know looking at three full-time jobs Right, right. I mean, the, the reality is that when football starts, this stops for me. So I've tried to arrange for myself, everything is an off-season thing. So as soon as the season's over, I'm working at it. As soon as the season starts, I stop. Um, and that's just been because, you know, I, want, I wanted to make sure, and I want to make sure that my coaching is the priority. I mean, ultimately, that's really what it's all about. I want to be as good as I can at this, at coaching. Uh, and it's a highly competitive field. So uh, I just stop everything. And uh, I've never had a coach ask me why I stopped. I think everyone just knows. And no, <laughs> everyone stops looking for content. It just, you know, I'm in season. Uh, and they, uh, <clears throat> everything has just come to a stop for me. So that's what I've done. Uh, but I've always been teaching in the fall as well. Now I'm not teaching. Um, so I will now try to do some things like set up what my off season is going to look like. But as far as production, that pretty much comes to a standstill. Now, so are, are you, are, go ahead. I was just going to say, so you're, are you still going to be doing some coaching then in the fall? Yes. Yes. I just took a new head coaching job at a small Christian school here in the town that I live in, Judah Christian. Um, and I, I really thought I was going to be done for a while. I resigned from Champaign Central High School and uh, in November and uh, this opportunity came along and they felt like I was the right guy and uh, so I'm I'm going for it so I'm excited about it. so we'll be coaching again in the fall well that's cool I'm glad you at least get to stick with stick with coaching I mean I think for me you know as much as I love run the power podcast you know I got I gotta I gotta still have some of that coaching it so I'm glad you're still into it because I can tell that you're still pretty passionate about it man that's awesome yeah, I do wonder what I wonder what will happen when the day comes that I'm not able to coach again. I, I, so I'm a little worried about that, but uh, I guess I, I won't worry about it for a little bit longer. But I'm sure that it's a clearly coaching this game is an addiction at this point. Uh, yes. 
That's right, and it's a good addiction to have uh, when it comes. If it, of all the addictions you could have, I think coaching football is uh, up there as one of the one of the good ones. I would agree with that. <laughs> uh, well, coach, you said that you were, you know, fine arts um, major. Is that right? That's well, not fine arts major, but you know, education major. But art was the thing. Yep. You don't hear that very often uh, when it comes to football coaches. So um, I'm sure there's a there's a a cool backstory to that. So if you would kind of tell people your, your story and, and how you became now, um, you know, a, a head coach and, and coaching football and, and what kind of brought you to that. Yeah. You know, just grew up in an educator's household. Um, and, and I think school's all I ever knew. And I think pretty quickly I did try pre-med for the first couple of weeks of school. Like every kid that got good grades, I think was told, <laughs> Hey, you should be pre-med. You should uh, be a doctor. Yeah. Quickly found out, uh, no, I don't want to do pre-med. So I ended up going into education and, um, and was a football player and wrestler and loved those things and, and just quickly got into coaching. And, and, and uh, art, I chose teaching art because it sounded a lot better than teaching math. I mean, that was all there yeah. was. You know, like my 19-year-old my self didn't think, hey, it's going to be hard to get an art job. I just thought <laughs> – Art sounds easier. So that's what I did. So not real intelligent, but that's what I did. But uh, when it's all said and done, I've been coaching for 17. I have taken two little breaks off of teaching. Um, for a t but so I've been, I would have been teaching for 17 years, but because of those little breaks, it's been a total of 12 years in the classroom. And, and art has been where it was. And it really, it just kind of makes everything to the point where all my assistants, I'll tell, you know, I, like my right-hand man, he was my assistant head coach. I'd tell him, hey, I got, you got to make this flyer for whatever freshman night. And he'd say, man, will you stop telling me to make flyers? I know you hate every flyer I make. <laughs> and that's just kind of the curse of being the one art guy um, on, the, on a whole group of athletes is because everybody's artwork, everybody's flyers just look like garbage to me. So it's really just a curse. Um, so it means I have to make all little flyers, all little announcements. I'm always making those because – when it comes to how things look visually, I'm a control freak with that. But I say that's the, the short end of my story. Uh, one thing I'd add to that is that um, and I think guys should know this. If you want to move to the top the quickest, be a defensive guy. So I, was, I thought of myself as an offensive guy. And one of my old head coaches I was under at the time, uh, he saw me teaching a tackling drill, grabbed me, introduced me to somebody as a defensive guy the following year I got a defensive coordinator job because I was known as a defensive guy and quickly rose to the top just because of that just because I was known as a defensive guy you know because all the all the competition went to the offensive side everybody who was dying to coach and wanted to run the offense went to the offensive side dedicated themselves to it I got thrown into the defensive side Got the fast track to the top, and then, of course, guess what? You get your first head job, and guess what? You're the offensive guy again. So I've always yeah. thrown that at guys. If you really want to go to the top quickest, call yourself a defensive guy, even if you don't like it. I think, I think that's hilarious because, I mean, the, Coach Clink was always in our office when I was at Broken Arrow, and, and that was always one of the things we'd go back and forth on. I know he loved to make fun of the offensive guys. We always make fun of the defensive guys. But I, I think it's totally true. I mean, you look at a lot of, a lot of your best – head coaches tend to be defensive guys because maybe they have a more holistic approach to what they do because a lot of the offensive coordinators that I know, let's be honest, I mean, they know how to attack defenses, 
they don't know how to run a defense, you know. Um, defensive guys probably have coached more special teams. So I, th- I think there's a lot of merit to, to what you say. Um, I loved coaching defense when I had the chance to do it. And I think that's really, really good advice. So Harper, you need to go coach defense. <laughs> I, we've got that advice a lot. And I don't think there's, I, I would, I think not enjoy that very, very much. <laughs> I'm really enjoying uh, working with the offensive line. And I really, you know, maybe even more than that, I enjoy making fun of the defensive coaches. <laughs> There's a lot of fun to that, too. I like the old rivalry between the two sides of the ball. That can be a lot of fun. You know, they're always, you're, they're always drawing on the board upside down. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Some classic fights. It's good to know that those fights are pretty much uh, universal in our, in our game. Oh, it's a- absolutely. There's no question about it. You know, it's, it's always who gets the script last because, you know, they, they always wanted to have the offensive script first. Okay, so, hey, hey, did you get your stuff scripted yet? And then they'd script all their defenses against it, you know, for success. So it's just yeah. always, one, always, always one of those things we had to go against. I will say this. There has been – now, in my time since running Chief Pigskin and, and listening to coaches, and I'm amazed by the number of great coaches that there are in this nation. Uh, but I will say this. The best of the best that I've run into, always, when you ask them, what do you coach or what do you like better, they can't give you an answer. Those types of guys, in my experience, meeting, meeting hundreds and hundreds of top-notch coaches have been the cream of the crop, the guy that cannot tell you one side or the other what his favorite is. Just the football guy. Yep. Well, you, you sit in on, on you know, countless, I'm sure, I'm sure you've counted them, but countless to us, um, clinics – with Chief Pigskin, what are what are some of the big ones that you've that you've taken away from from those? What are some of those that you were like, this is one of the best ones I've ever heard, and it was this, and that you took away from it? Man, I tell you what, I, that that's probably that's a really impossible thing to do. The the number of quality guys is out of this world. Uh, there's the the Indianapolis clinic blew me away. You had uh, the Ben Davis coach there, who's uh, they were I think they finished the year number six uh, in the nation by max preps. 14 and 0, you know, just blasted through everybody. The the number, his, this guy, he's an older coach too. The amount of work that he's putting in is out of this world. And his level of energy is second to none. He was talking about their offseason program. And he said they had 63 guys power clean, 235 or more. Wow. I thought that means if I'm in that program, I clean 225. What, what place am I on that team? Am I like the 80th best? <laughs> It's unbelievable. And then right after him comes in Jake Gilbert, who just won a state championship in Indiana. He was a uh, he was the Division Three defensive coordinator for years, and uh, his defense and just his speaking ability, his presence is out of this world. And then I came down to South Carolina. These four young guys are talking spread offense, and I love I love listening to their Southern accents. And boy, they are they are real good, real good. And then. The featured speaker down there was a guy named Nick Pelham out of Dutch Fork, and his 3-4 defense, I'm telling you, it's so simple. They're only running cover two or cover three. They're gonna, it's just a matter of which side of their defense they're reducing. And I, I just can't tell you enough of good things about us. Out of this world, I, I was just mesmerized by it. I tell guys all the time, I sit back there and I listen to these presentations, and I go back and forth between being excited about what I'm learning and being discouraged about what I don't know already. 
you know, to go to go week to go week after you feel like are doing it better than you um, at a profession that you take very seriously. It's very humbling. It's a pretty awesome way to learn, though, because again, that's kind of the same thing that you know Harp and I are doing the same thing. It gives you a chance to to talk to all these guys, and I'm just amazed every single person you talk to. You pull in two, three, four things away from it, and you're like, "Wow, that was awesome!" And Harper and I have a chance to talk after each one of them. It's like, "Whoa, that was awesome! This was awesome!" You know, I I think it just enhances the stuff that you're you're trying to learn and the the profession that I'm trying to be in. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, coach, what what kind of uh, what kind of offense do you guys run uh, at your new school? Well, I'll tell you why that's going to be interesting. We've been a uh, when I first started as a head coach, I was a quote unquote spread guy. I didn't really know what that meant, but uh, <laughs> that's what I was. Um, and quickly, I finally latched on to a personal philosophy in in high school coaching, and my personal philosophy became this: it was shoot yourself less often than you shoot them. Because I quickly realized how, you know, when you take over as a head coach at first, all, the only jobs you can get are of teams that were horrible the year before. Horrible. So you're going to come into a team that was very, very bad. And what are they doing wrong? I'm always watching film of the previous year. And it just the number of mistakes are out. It's ridiculous. The number of mistakes, mistakes a team is making. So I quickly latch on the philosophy. What offense can I run? that I think allows for the fewest number of self-made errors. And uh, after some research that offseason, I determined that it was the wing team. And not two years earlier as a defensive coordinator in the Chicago suburbs, you could have hear me as quoted, who on earth would run the wing team? (laughs) And two years later, I was a wing T guy. I didn't know it yet, but I started learning because it matched what I really felt like my philosophy was. Uh, And I latched on, I've been running ever since. Now I've worked very, very hard at learning what it is that spread offenses do well that I know that I can exploit and and also do from the wing T, you know? So it's like, what, what is a, I was looking at like Oregon, this is back in 13, 14, 15, you know, nobody was scoring like Oregon. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm looking going, okay, what is Oregon doing? Because I don't believe what the commentators are telling me. I don't believe that they're scoring a ton because they're in the shotgun. I don't believe that that's what's going to make you score a lot. I don't believe it's because they go fast. That's what they want you to. I don't, I, to me, it doesn't matter if you go fast or slow. You, you can score a lot of points. I really did a lot of research. I recorded every Oregon game I could with no intention of going to spread. Just recorded every game I could. I said, how are they, what do I think they're doing, and what can I do? So I I broke that down, and I said, all right, well, they are 100% stretching the field horizontally, like sideline to sideline, okay? And I thought, I can do that. I've got Rocket. We're going to get really good at Rocket. They're stretching the field vertically, and not just in the first quarter. In the second, third, and fourth quarter, they keep stretching vertically. And I thought, we can do that. I'm going to put a little work into it, but we can do it. But they clearly also ran complementary plays to their system. So you'd see uh, outside zone, outside zone, and then bang, they'd hit tight end on a wheel down the sideline, right? So they're just very systematic. So I felt like for me, I needed to reduce the number of plays in my playbook. So I was forced to use my counter plays. Um, and, and so I just broke everything down. And so uh, we are a wing T, and I, without a doubt, get a lot of grief for being a wing T guy. And a lot of people tell me that I'm old and, it is what it is, but I've worked very hard to make sure that we could score, that uh, we could score with the best of them. 
and uh, we could score big points over long periods of time. And, and we've been able to do that. So that's been exciting. I've, really, I've actually just kind of fallen in love with the offense. And, and I just love, uh, I love the artistry of the wing tee at this point. And uh, we're definitely not a, a beat your face in wing tee, though. It, it's very finesse based. So uh, now the, the reason that's an interesting story is because this year at my new school, there's only 130 kids in the school. We're actually playing eight-man football for two years. Um, and I, I challenge you all to get out a piece of paper and pen right now and drop the wing tee in eight-man football. It is a challenge. Makes it tough. You lose a back, yeah. And so everybody's first response is, well, just go gun. And, yeah, okay, well, it kind of looks the same. It still ain't the tee. And, and, uh, and, you know, there's a little bit of part of me, as, as much as I say I love to learn from the spread, I feel – like I'm betraying my brethren if I go gun. So uh, it's a big debate right now what I'm going to end up doing. That's great. <laughs> so that's awesome, man. Dude, Gus Melzon, he was a wing tee guy. There's a ton of those guys that, that cut their teeth on the wing tee. They've just kind of managed to evolve it a little bit more to the, the level of athlete that they've been able to recruit at the quarterback position. Absolutely, man. If I had a guy that I thought could sling it around and hit his spots – I think we would look at uh, throwing some gun stuff in there. But at the same time, too, you know, I've, all my kids for all the years I've been coaching have had to go both ways. And, and our, the amount that we can teach has not been uh, what the amount that, uh, you know, bigger schools or college coaches can teach. So uh, we've stayed simple. and We stay under, the, under center pretty much all the time. And uh, with the right group of kids over the years, uh, we can do some fancy things, you know, like everybody and try to have some fun with it. But you know, that usually is when you get that whole group of offense that's uh, returners type thing. And that doesn't happen very often. Well, I like the, I like the reason that you kind of came into running the wing tee, and it's kind of a conversation that, that me and Walls had, whatever, three or four years ago, kind of talking, you know, not really that we had together. He was kind of telling me. Um, but it was like, hey, I'm just telling you, most of the games that, that are played, it's a team loses. You know, it's not the other team winning. The, the close games come down to – the teams that lose the game. And so we're going to run an offense that uh, gives us the best opportunity to not lose the game, to not have turnovers, uh, to control the time of possession, and, you know, allow us to not make, make mistakes and pressure them into making those big mistakes. Absolutely. I think it's important. It's important, first of all, to have a philosophy and to really live by it, I think, in the coaching world. Because you're going to get – as a head coach, you get a lot of grief a lot of grief and, and not of it, not all of it is directed right at you, but you know, you read things on forums, you hear from parents, you get emails, you get a lot of grief. And so you have to know in your heart that what you're doing fits what you know, what you truly believe is the best, gives your team the best chance. So it's important to have a philosophy and to stick with it. Um, and there's no doubt about it for me that I, I just, if someone's going to show up, I want them to have to beat us. And, and, and if they've beaten us, I can sleep at night. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's, it's been the same. I've, I've been a lot of places. It's, the, it's been the same since the beginning of time. You know, you lose the turnover battle, great chance you're going to lose. You know, you, you, you are, have more missed assignments and you give up more big plays, you're going to get beat. So, I mean, all of those adages hold true. And I think if you just kind of start at that position and that's all you teach your kids, like, hey, dude, we're not going to beat ourselves. If another team comes in here and they just whip us, but we, we played pretty good football, hey, I, I can at least sleep at night. But it's those nights where, yeah, you go out there and you turn the ball over four times. 
you got all these guys making missed assignments up front. That's when you really have to kind of do some soul searching as a coach because all that stuff comes back on you. You know, what am I doing wrong with these kids? Why are we making all these mistakes? How am I teaching it? How, how are we teaching it collectively? I think there's so much merit to all that stuff that you're saying right there. You have to start at that point. And it, and it is. The, uh, and uh, most coaches, most people listening to this, I think they know that coaching this game, it's not easy. It's not easy. And getting a large group of kids to execute something uh, at a high level is, is very difficult. And so I, I, I find a lot of merit in the wing tee. I find a lot of merit in, in people who are willing to keep it simple offensively because I think that it requires, um, I think it requires number one, a level of humility mm-hmm. to be able to do it because you, you understand the amount of grief that you take. You understand that you will, um, people will assume that you don't really know what's going on. So that's a hard pill to swallow. So I, when you find a guy that's willing to run it, you know that you got a guy who's willing to be patient. Uh, who sees value in uh, in being very very good at something simple? And you know, when I look at you know, two years ago, um, we had to go on the road in the state quarterfinals and play who was at the time ranked uh, the number one team in the state uh, and who had the top defense in the state. Uh, we were just coming off two games where we scored big. We scored eighty points in the first playoff game. We scored forty nine points in the second playoff game. And here we come against the number one ranked defense in the state and obviously big underdogs. And I'll just never forget that game because, well, first of all, it was a very big win for us. We were able, we ended up winning 28, nothing, but I just never forget. If you looked at our playbook in that game, how simple it was. (laughs) I'm telling you almost all we did was rocket left, rocket, right belly and trap for an entire game. And this is against the likely the best defense we saw all year. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, it, I guess it, it really doesn't take all that much to be really, really good. You know, it is about your execution. It's about having good kids and, and being willing to stick with it. So there are a million ways to skin a cat, and I've watched some incredible spread offenses do incredible things and score a million points. But, man, you, you can get it done with, without with, – and up with other stuff. Dude, our Army, nine plays in their bowl game, didn't throw a single pass. You Boy, they were done. something else, weren't they? But, yeah. And I love watching those service academies play. They are fun to watch. Well, that's why, you know, me and, me and Walt jumped into Team Attack Academy as hard as we did because um, for that reason, right, let's make our kids make the least mental mistakes and let's try to keep it simple but not so simple that we don't have options. So, we found that was a was a good way for us to be able to to make less and less mental mistakes and and that's you know we find something like that that we can jump onto and start using we did and so um, you know it really benefited us and and that was the entire reason behind it and and why it got us excited in the first place was it was a way we could put our kids on on a virtual classroom and and get them learning away from football and not take up all their time at football but allow us to make as few mental mistakes as possible so we're not beating ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't seen that software yet, so I'm going to have to look it up because I've been kind of playing around with uh, just kind of branching into that world of, of uh, another opportunity, another way to reach out and teach the kids. I think the more, re- 
the more reps you can give your kids, I mean, in any way. So again, I've, I've been studying a lot of, you know, the Oregon stuff, the UCF stuff too. And, and that's all coach Frost says, we're going to practice for two hours, but the number of reps that these kids are going to get, whether we're running two huddles, three huddles, whatever it might be. And we're just going to run our base plays this spring. He said by, by five or six practices, we'll have run so many reps. We're going to know who the players are. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a great evaluation tool. And the same thing is, you know, we're going to have all of those reps filmed. All those kids are going to be able to watch those reps. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's so much value in them being able to learn at their own pace on a virtual level, watching film where they don't have to sit in a meeting forever. Cause I mean, let's face it, kids attention spans right now. You're lucky if it's 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, me, me, me putting things through the phone, which speaks their language because every single one of them is going to have neck problems when they're mm-hmm. 55 because they're all bent over looking at their phone. But <laughs> I may as well I may as well play into that because that's that's the medium that that they communicate with and it doesn't do me much good to sit there and complain god you know kids these days they won't do this why bang my head against the wall why not hey let's speak their language let's get them thinking about football and using this thing and by god it works yeah that sounds awesome I've got to check it out yeah it's worked well for us coach um this is really interesting. You're going to, to, to eight-man football, so I'm kind of – have always been curious. Uh, what's going to be more difficult for you? Is it going to be going offense with eight-man or now going defense with, with eight-man football? Well, I would have to say defense. I, I think I will know much better in a year. So <laughs> sure. after I've played my first season of eight-man. Um, <laughs> sure. But my guess is defense because as hard as it is to draw up the wing tee um, in eight-man football, it's offense. You know, an offense is easy. There's always a way. The hard thing is defending people. And there's something about an even number of defenders. It's a nightmare. It doesn't work. I need an odd number. I would almost rather play with seven. It's crazy. So I think playing defense is going to be the hardest. I think I've decided to go with a 3-1. Now, again, <laughs> just saying these numbers still feels very awkward for me. But I think I'm going to go 3-1, cover two shell, and try to pull as many of this Dutch Fork, Nick Pelham's concepts from uh, Dutch Fork as possible where I can just reduce either side, play cover two to one, play cover two or cover three, uh, give some people some different looks. That's what I'm thinking right now, 3-1. But like I said, you got to pull out the pen and paper and start drawing. And, you know, it's hard. You start drawing up and you think, well, what are people going to do? And I, I still don't know that yet. <laughs> so we'll see. But I think it's important, too. We're trying to – we're, we're only going to play eight man for a couple of years and then we'll move into 11 man. So whatever I begin with, I want to just make sure that when we do go 11, we don't have to change, yeah. you know, we don't have to change terminology, we just have to tweak some things. So trying to, trying to make some smart decisions, but uh, I, I, I won't lie. I did think that I would be able to have my decision made by this point, uh, but I don't feel very close yet. That, is that, is that normal? In in Illinois, that when when you have a new school, that you start out eight man because I know like places in Texas, places you know other places I've heard they just play like a JV schedule, mm-hmm. you know, so they could still play eleven man. That, that's kind of unusual to me. Can you kind of walk me through that process, or is that you know normal for places? Well, I don't think it's normal. I think I'm the fir- we're the first that I've ever heard of. So eight man football is new to Illinois anyway. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I grew up a small town guy and went to a small high school and I ended up coaching up in the suburbs and went to school up in the suburbs. And so I've just always had this affinity for small towns 
and their schools and the respect for athletes that I think most coaches at big schools don't have. Not, not that none do, but most don't. They just, I think they write off small schools. So a few years ago, I saw eight-man football. I came across an a eight-man football field in the mountains of Colorado, and it just sparked something in me. And I thought, why doesn't Illinois have that? Because our numbers were dwindling. More and more teams are have, they have to co-op with some other school to keep their yep. team. And I said, why are people co-op and just let's play some eight-man football. So a couple of years ago, I just got that spark and I thought somebody needs to be playing this in Illinois. I didn't foresee myself playing it. Um, <laughs> but this opportunity came up and there were a couple schools in Northern Illinois playing eight-man. So as soon as we decide to start a team, you know, not, not a lot of schools start their uh, football team for the first time. But as they did, I thought I reached out to those guys and I said, there's a chance we could join you, but we got to start an association. So there were a couple of things that went into it. Number one, a lot of people said, are you going to play JV ball for a while? And I didn't want to play JV ball because just playing JV ball stinks. I mean, yeah. this is boring. I just can't imagine. Well, it, I, feel, I just feel bad for the kids. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and some people that have tried to play JV ball, they say, well, your seniors can't play. Well, we got some seniors that want to play. Yeah. And we want to play in games that matter. I don't care if it's two on two. We want to play mm -hmm. in games that matter. They're varsity contests. And so that was really it. I just said, I just said right out the gate, our, my administration was really kind of leaving it up to me and saying, what do you think? And I said, JV ball stinks. I don't want any part of it. We're going to play varsity ball eight or 11. We're going to play, right? So we, then we, once uh, we got everything started, we took a look at our numbers and it was pretty clear that eight man was the best choice for us. You know, no, none of our kids in our school have ever lifted. The school's a tiny little Christian school's never really even taken athletics very seriously. Uh, eight man was the best fit for us. So uh, we went for it, you know, so, but, but we are under, I think a little bit of pressure to get to 11 man as soon as possible. <laughs> there was no doubt that eight man is a very good decision for a couple of years here as we, you know, as the kids learn, how to tackle, you know, as they learn what it feels like to put helmet on. Because let's face it, I think that most people, when they play football for the first time, they don't realize, I think you're expecting every hit to be this snot, you know, this snot knocking hit. And they're not. Those, those do exist. But I think people are amazed at how bad your everyday hit hurts. Like every hit hurts somehow. I'll never forget we had a foreign exchange student from Brazil and Andres and Andres decided to come out for football. And I'll, I just never forget, he got the ball for the first time, got tackled, and he just stood up and he just goes, ow! <laughs> just this, <laughs> the longest, most dragged out, ouch. That was it. And he said, this hurts. And we just kind of all laughed and we're like, yeah, yeah, I guess it does. You'll get used <laughs> to it. <laughs> exactly. So all my kids need to get used to that. I haven't told them yet that it hurts. Uh, I'm saving that. I'll let them figure that on their own. But, uh, you know, we got a long way to go and it, it's going to be fun though. But that's how we ended up eight man. And so, no, it's not normal at all. I just, I've always been an out of the box thinker. And if I, and I, there's a lot of systems in our nation that I think are broken. And I think a lot of it's because a lot of our athletic decisions get made by non-athletic people. Amen. Um, and we let them make those decisions. And I just get tired of looking at that happen. And I just said, I, I don't want anything to do with JV football. That sounds miserable. Let's compete and let's compete for real. I've been whipped before. If we get whipped, we get whipped. We'll get better. 
that that's one of the things i mean there's you you talk about co-ops that that hits me because i mean i'm a south dakota kid through and through um a lot of a lot of small towns would take a lot of pride in their football program well now you start co-oping with a bunch of these other towns you know okay where are the games going to be played you know some of the some of these rival towns hated each other you know and i guess it it might have brought some of them something together but it was again for the simple fact of okay, let's have more kids so we can still play 11-man. Well, in South Dakota, it was nine-man. Mm-hmm. And my dad coached nine-man for a long time. And nine-man's an awesome game because all you got to do is just take away two tackles and everything's the same. So it makes it real simple. But, mm-hmm. you know, some of the schools here in Iowa have, have kind of done the same thing. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you any of them. They have like six different initials because there's six towns that they've had to co-op, you know. Sure, sure. But some of the other towns have gone the other direction and said the same thing. Well, hey, do you guys want to stay 11? Do you want to co-op? No. I, we want to keep our, our town squad and we want to play eight man, you know, so they've kind of had to, to go both those directions. And I, I see the, I see the argument on both sides, you know, I think it's cool that you guys are, are going that route. You know, I, I totally agree. You know, I, I don't think kids want to play a JV schedule. They want to have a chance to go compete, win games and Hey, you know, go to the state playoffs if they're good enough, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I told our association or the guys that had been playing up. There's a few schools in Northern Illinois playing and I just kind of got on the phone right away. And I said, here's what I'm thinking. We want to, we would consider playing eight man football, but only if, and here were the things I said, we have to form an association. We have to have playoffs this year and we have to play for a state championship this year. I mean, we don't, I don't care if there's six teams we're yeah. for a state championship. Because uh, that's what everybody wants to do. And, you know, and I understood as I kind of went out there and said this has to happen that our chances of being the champ are incredibly low. But I know <laughs> that it has to be a possibility, you know, because in July, your kids don't know that they're the worst football team in the state. And, and you don't want them to know. Your kids feel like in July they could, they're a part of something special. And as far as they know, this could be a magical year. Well, now that you know that you're doing some eight-man football, is that something that you've, you've looked to start clinicking with some eight-man football coaches uh, through Chief Pigskin? I haven't. You know, we had one eight-man coach on. Um, I, ha- I just haven't reached out to really find too many eight-man coaches. Um, and, and I think I probably will over time. But, you know, at this, the clinic that I had right now, my whole football world is an 11-man world. And sure. All my contacts and that's. And I know that's the bulk of what everything, um, everybody, where everybody can learn. And honestly, I, I'm still more interested in, in learning the 11 man game. And, and every, every concept I put to an eight man game is coming from 11 man coach. Uh, so I personally don't see a need to go out of my way to create uh, eight man because to me, coaches are coaches and football is football. Um, and you know, the reality is when you really look down at at what you stole from a clinic, you really are just stealing pieces. You know, if you look, if you're an O-line coach, you probably stole a drill or you probably stole like a gap center exchange, you know, or a tackle, tackle, um, a guard tackle exchange. You probably stole that. You probably didn't steal some whole concept, you know, because everybody's run the same thing. Everybody's run power counter inside zone stretch everybody's running the same thing nobody's going to run something you haven't seen right you're just stealing this little tiny part of it and so that's that's the exact same thing that we're bringing to eight-man football is that i'm just stealing little 
pieces that I know can apply to this piece, you know, Hey, on the boundary side, we'll do this on the field side. We'll do this because it makes sense. We'll read the tackle. We'll spill this block, you know? So all those things are, there are just football. And uh, I, I personally being, and I think it came from my wing T roots. I get annoyed when guys right out of the gate establish themselves as a quote unquote spread or a blank guy offensively. Cause to me, Moving the ball is moving the ball. You know, you're gonna, right. you've got to know where to attack. I think that you've got to, this day and age, have your uh, repertoire of influences, whether you're influencing on one side or you're false pulling. You know, to me, that's exciting. what's exciting about offense. I can learn from anybody with that. I, I love learning about how you're taking advantage of the way defenses are playing you. The plays and drawing things on the board, I think, I mean, you can't draw a line in some new magical way I haven't seen. You can't do that. Um, but what you can do is think about the game in a new way. And that, those are the things that excite. There's a really good, actually, an, an eight man chat on uh, Twitter. They do a pretty good job. I've seen some guys talking about that. So that might be something you can at least peruse and check out every now and again. But I agree with you wholeheartedly on, you know, moving the football. You, you shouldn't, you know, pigeonhole yourself into one thing. Heck, I've coached, I don't know how many years now, but dude, it seems like I've coached a new offense almost every single year and we've had to because that's either the place I've been or that's the, the kids that we have. You know, I've had 3,000-yard passers. I've had all-time leading rushers. So, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Whatever puts the ball in the end zone, at the end of the day, do we score more points than they did? Right. Right. You can't tell me. You know, a guy like Paul Johnson, head coach at Georgia Tech, he's been running that offense since, like, 84. He's the guru of the triple option. But you can't, I mean, the guy just understands offense. He understands moving the ball. He understands using what the defense is doing against them. You can't tell me that if he was forced at gunpoint to run a spread offense, that it wouldn't be effective. I think that the guy knows it. And I think that's what, it, what it's all about. It's about what kind of a coach are you? I'm a football coach. Um, if I'm coaching offense, it's about moving the ball. If I'm coaching defense, it's about it's about swarming to the football, you know, and I think those little fundamentals that I get most excited when I just know that I'm around kindred spirits that, that just, they get geeked about quality football. And I love that, you know, even on, on Saturday afternoon, when I'm watching a game, if I get a, a game that was nine to seven or something, I'm geeked. I know my ESPN announcers is really bummed because he says <laughs> it's a boring game. But I'm geeked out about this game. Well, it's the same thing Coach Wall says about quarterbacks. You know, they got to be uh, they have to be a football player first before a quarterback. Right. Boy, boy, you're right, man. When you get a quarterback who's just a baller, boy, that's exciting. And I think too, it goes back. We've had a couple guys on talking defense. You know, and it still bothers me. Oh, he's a four-two-five guy. Well, I I never understood that either. It's like, okay, we're gonna have. You know, what, what, if, what if a year comes along and we don't, we don't have four defensive linemen that can play? Are we just automatically going to take our 25th best player who mm-hmm. happens to play six technique mm-hmm. and we're going to put him on the field because, by God, we're a 4 5 team. Mm-hmm. And everyone and their dog is going to run outside zone around that guy, block him down, smoke him, move him all over the place. Like, man, man, that six technique's just not very good. God, our six technique sucks. Man, our six technique just keeps getting reached. And I just want to scream into the headset, get him off the field. You're the coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your fault. It's not the kid's fault. 
So, I mean, I, I never understood some of these guys that would get stuck in a defensive scheme. It's like, if I coach defense, I would teach all defenses because I don't know which defense I'm going to have to play that week. I might be playing Paul Johnson one week. I might be playing a team that runs empty the entire game the whole week. So, I mean, it, it's going to have to change. I want to be able to teach my kids concepts and then be able to play those base concepts. I don't know. That always bothered me as well on the defensive mm-hmm. side. Well, I mean, I totally see what you're saying. The, the hardest part, though, defensively, is that because run fits are so tactical, as soon as you change a player, the run fit changes, and that's where defensive coaches, myself included, freeze. That's, how, that's probably <laughs> the number one reason why um, we don't jump fronts more often is because I have turned into a run fit fanatic. And <laughs> – and I get nervous as heck. As soon as I, I bump a player, the run fit changed. And I, now I'm freaking out. It's probably not a big deal, but I'm freaking out. Saying all 11 guys on offense have to do their job on defense. If oh, yeah. one of your if one, one guy, if defense hit one of your guys wins, you kill our play. <laughs> so that's kind of always the thing I say is, like, hey, just, just get one dude to the ball and you're good, man. Right, right. Now, some, <laughs> some years it is easy to get a dude there. I had, a, I had a nut job on my team a few years ago who was about the baddest dude I've ever run into. And uh, like I've said before, I was starting to think that I was pretty good at teaching pass rush. Well, then he graduated, and I realized that it wasn't me. It was him. He was, uh, boy, he was something else, but, boy, did he wreak havoc. Well, Coach, uh, with, with all the all the game kind of going to Twitter now, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of colleges. Obviously, that seemed like Houston was one of the big ones, and now they're at they're at Texas. But uh, they got really into Twitter and and making really cool graphics and videos. And and now, you know, we've seen it with the videos that OU made. I know uh, with their commit, they, it was almost like a movie quality uh, promo videos for their recruits. I gotta imagine with with your uh, Adobe background that your school is going to have the, the best Twitter um, in the state. Gosh, you know what? I go back and forth <laughs> with that too. And I think, oh, I don't have time for this. And then I see something awesome and I'm like, I can make that. <laughs> uh, so you never know. I'm, what I would like to do is eventually turn it over to the kids. And if I could teach some of those kids to do awesome things, but that goes back to my earlier story. I have a control freak when it comes to design. So I'm sure that our stuff will end up blending in with most just because I'll be too darn busy. But you're right, man. The, I would encourage all coaches to start learning something in the Adobe Creative Suite because I just can't, I can't believe how many times it has come in handy in my own teaching and coaching career. This ability to make videos, to create a highlight, to um, make design work that doesn't stink. Um, it, it's, it makes you handy and it makes you valuable, man. I encourage people to do it. And I, I think there's probably, and I think you guys are, you got this podcast going, so you're probably a kindred spirit with me. But I think too many guys just, they tell me, ah, I can't do that. I can't do computers. And I think, you know, I can't, I, I don't know how to do that. And I think, well, <laughs> you know how to get to YouTube? Because if you can do that, then you're you can right. learn just about anything. Yeah. That's what all this, all the stuff on the podcast, um, you know, it's been between me and walls and, and a lot of the uh, more techie stuff, I guess uh, you'll say it has been me and it's all been, um, it's all been me learning from YouTube or from Google. I mean, I got into Adobe Photoshop 
uh, to try to try to make some graphics for my for my linemen to boost them up on Twitter mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and then I used that to make our graphics for our logo and our uh, you know podcast graphic, and then started make making that to use graphics for each of the uh, people that we have on. And then, you know, from each time I do it, I get a little better Then I yes. see someone else's graphic and then I YouTube, Hey, how do I do that? You know, mm-hmm. from that until the videos that we have that, that I kind of edit. And then also the, the podcast that I edit. So, um, I think you're right coach. And, and you never know how much you use it until you kind of start getting good at it. And then, and then you do it one way for a while and it takes an hour to do. And then all of a sudden you see, Oh, there's an easier way that can get it done in 10 minutes. And then that makes you really happy. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what, and it makes you very valuable. The number of things that I know how to do now <laughs> is unbelievable. And I just look at it and I go, you know, it's been 10 years of YouTube tutorials uh, and, but it's valuable and, and it makes you valuable to a staff and, and uh, to your kids and, as Jim McKee said, but uh, Jim McKee was one of our best ones too here at the Cincinnati Clinic. But Jim McKee, who's at Scott County High School in Kentucky, said, you got to make your place the big time. And he just does so many good things to make their program the big time. And just through all, like we were saying, graphics and parking stickers and tickets for the games. And he's the best at it. Love it. I, I, if you're, if you ain't selling your program and you're not doing creative and, and exciting things to, to help those kids out to me again, it's just like anything else. I think you're falling behind. I just, I just think it's, it's kind of the way that it goes. Mm-hmm. It, it's part of, it's part of the deal. And again, it, it just comes back to, you know, coaching your coaches and, and finding guys and finding ways for those guys to, to improve themselves. I mean, that, that should be your goal every single day. What am I going to do today to get better? And if it's learning something that's going to help enhance the program, why not go for it? You know, they give you all these free professional development days and you get to go check out all these cool things. There's so many unbelievable things that other teachers are doing that I would go like, like I'd never heard of how to blog. And I go, I go in and I'm, I'm sitting here listening to some kindergarten teacher and me, Hey, this is this cool blog that I do. I'm like, Whoa, I can do that. That's easy. I'm kind of creative. I can tell I can write articles and you know, I'm like, it's, it's awesome. I mean, there's, there's very talented people right there in your own building where you can go figure it out. And like you said, okay, I don't feel like I'm surrounded by talented people. Uh, can you type in something on YouTube? You'll right. find it. Sky's the limit, man. And I think it's like everything. Some people are going to keep learning in this life. And I think those are the ones that are not going to die bored. And some people, <laughs> they just stop, they just decide to stop learning at some point. I, it blows my mind, but there they are. I just decided I stopped. That's a great quote. I love that. Well, coach, uh, kind of, kind of wrapping up, um, kind of give yourself a a shameless little plug, but if someone wants to kind of check out a little bit more about cheap pigskin, they don't know about it. You know, what, what is it that they get? How do they sign up for it? Um, you know, kind of, what is it or how, how do they go about getting a, getting to be a part of it and, and learning? Sure. Well, we did eight clinics. The eighth one's coming up in Louisville. And each one has seven or eight clinicians or seven or eight presentations, uh, hour-long presentations, sometimes more. Uh, The quality of coaches that we've gotten has just blown me away. I've been incredibly humbled by it. Um, You can get an entire city clinic pass for $29.95. And I'm telling you, one of these videos is worth more than that. If you go by championship productions prices, one video of these is worth more than that. And you get the whole city. Or you can get out. All cities, plus everything I'm about to do in the spring, I do a lot of college visits in the spring. Um, you can get it all for 125 bucks. But I will say this, 
I've been disappointed that I haven't had to make out more invoices this year. Most guys are buying passes for themselves. For 195 is the staff pass. You get your whole staff on. And when I designed this thing, that was what the vision was. I wanted staffs. I wanted a head coach to be able to get a staff together on this, to motivate your unmotivated coaches. And I want to cut invoices, man. I want to cut them because I don't, and I don't think coaches should be paying for this out of their own money. We're not profiting. The school's profiting and the kids are profiting from us being good. Um, and I think it should be the school's responsibility to buy this. I would love to cut more invoices because, you know, I, I think it's about the staff. That's what it's all about. I've never thought this game was about learning on your own. I mean, you can be a great coach. Great. Well, how are you going to teach all the positions at once? You can't. You need a team of coaches with you. Yes. Um, so I'm going to see it through. It's cost me an arm and a leg. It's, uh, you know, I've been out of work for a year doing this. But I'm going to see it through because I really do believe in it. I've gotten some good feedback, and I think it's something that might have a chance to go. Um, but I, I really want to get staffs on board. And hopefully in the end, it's something, it's something that's beneficial for everyone involved, and it's a good thing for staffs to be part of. Well, that's awesome, awesome. Coach. It uh, sounds great. Uh, you know, last thing I, I kind of leave everybody with, but uh, you're watching film, you're watching an offensive line, and you've heard from really good offensive line coaches, obviously through Chief Pigskin and, and through your career as a coach, but you're watching another offensive line play. What's something that they would do that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Oh, wow. Um, honestly, probably how quickly they get to linebackers. When I get uh, – when I turn on that film – and I get two guards or a tackle that gets to that linebacker, I mean, in about the same amount of time that the, the guard got to the tackle or to the defensive tackle, I know we got our hands full. That and when you, when you see pulling guards, I just – I like to pull – I get the first clip of your guards pulling, and I just watch it on repeat for a while. And <laughs> you can tell – what type of game you're going to have by the ferocity that those kids pull with, man. When you get two 250-pound kids pulling like grown men, oh, my gosh. It's a thing of beauty, and it is scary, and you know you got your hands And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.